0: Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to The Dealmaker Show. So today we have a founder in Europe and uh, I mean what we're going to learn from his journey and his story, oh my God, I think that we're all really going to enjoy and getting a ton, a ton of insights from his journey and how he's now building and scaling his latest uh, company. So I guess without further ado, let me welcome our guest today, Ola Sars. welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you so much. a pleasure to be here.
0: So, originally born in Stockholm, and obviously you were raised there. I mean, you did a, a little bit of traveling here and then, you know, to the U.S., but, but born and raised in Stockholm. How was life growing up there?
1: Um, very good, obviously. It's a, it's a great city, and, and we're a small country, but uh, very fortunate in kind of being able to, to, to grow up here and, and also spend time on in different parts of the world at the same time, but I always tend to come back from, for many reasons.
0: Very nice. And uh, did you have anyone in your family being an entrepreneur or anyone like really, you know, close to you that was into business? Or how did you develop this love for business?
1: That's an interesting story. Uh, I I think I I earned it from my mother, who was an entrepreneur since day one building her own business. And um, she she was very uh, present in my life. And and, uh, my dad was at the U.N., so he was he was not at home obviously and uh but she was and she was running a business at the same time and raising children and, and she kind of probably showed me that uh, you can build a business and have a family and, and try to balance that out obviously easier in, in these times than it was back then but uh, a woman at that time building her own business and raising a family with with a husband on the road was probably the evidence that uh, anyone can do it
0: absolutely absolutely so obviously you did um a little bit of uh, you know business school and and so forth, and and then you did consulting.
1: Is that right? Yes, I did both consulting as uh, an employee and and but also as an entrepreneur, starting my own consultancy firms. Um, actually, being able to sell them as well. So always been a little bit too rebellious to fit in any in any kind of more structured <laughs> environment. I would say, um, tending to kind of. Try to do my own thing uh, with what I was doing, and uh, that kind of goes through my whole story. and And I think somewhere in my in my personality, mentality, I like to um, I like to run the show, and I like to uh, I like to take the risk, and I like to build uh, build things myself.
0: And talking about running the show, I mean obviously after this uh, corporate uh, experience, you know, working for others, you know, you are in Ibiza you know like they're enjoying you know you see the sun and and the party that they have going on there and and you know certain sequence of events you know really altered you know everything for you what happened there
1: well i was um I was there and you know how it is there it's it's one of those wonderful places where the sun is coming up and and everything feels possible and and you're with good friends and and um and you're looking out over the ocean and what i realized was we we would spend with my best friends every summer there for for weeks and kind of get a house together and, and hang out with my, my my real friends and many of them are in the music scene and uh, what i realized to cut a long story short was that they were actually successful in uh building a life with something that they loved and it sounds a bit cliche i know but but it, you know in my pragmatic swedish mind it was they were actually being able to have fun at the same time as they were making money. And, and myself, I actually drew up a matrix which I called the SARS matrix for fun, but I still relate to it. It's fun uh, versus boring on the X axis and it's money out uh, versus money in on the Y axis. And obviously the challenge in life is to be able to position yourself in in the right-hand corner, being able to, you know, uh, generate money in and having fun at the same time and kind of maximizing that equation. And for me, that was either sports or music. And right in front of me, this was all the way back to 2007, 2008, right in front of me at that point, having this emotional angle to it, but there was also a rational part I mean, seeing a whole market uh, that was about to change right in front of us. I mean, music was going digital, uh, it was very clear that that was the path in terms of music production going digital, music distribution going digital, and music consumption going digital at the same time. It was only uh, at the beginning. <clears> Hence <throat> I, I chose to move in that direction and started my first music company called Tonium. And we built the world's first pocket-sized DJ system called Pacemaker. That's amazing. So
0: obviously, as, as you were pointing to, I mean, this, this leads you to Tonium. And then there's an interesting pivot there too. So, so all in all, I mean, before the acquisition, you know, you spent it in about you know four years or so, like really building this. This really led into a pivot that really led into an acquisition. But I want to know, like, what was that transition from Tonium all the way to to Let's Mix? Because you also had raised some money for this.
1: Right. So Tonium was a company that developed and distributed a platform called Pacemaker. It was a very innovative platform and very early. It, it was a platform where our idea was uh, based on the fact that the music market would be a market of abundance, meaning that any music would be available anywhere and time in the world. And the company that's, that's able to solve for that equation, actually recommending the right music to the right consumer for the right context, will win. So distribution would solve itself, uh, kind of consumption would solve itself in terms of just uh, being able to play back all the music in the world of fingertips. But the whole recommendation and curation dilemma in that was kind of the golden nugget. So we figured out that what's the best way of building this recommendation engine or this kind of curation engine was to connect to the world of DJs, uh, which is a good connection, obviously, to my story from Ibiza. Uh, but the fun thing about that is DJs were called on Jamaica when they started as selectors. and Their their aggregated intelligence was something that we thought would be kind of the core data set to build a recommendation engine for the future. So how do we get that intelligence aggregated? Uh, well, we build a platform to connect with the with the DJs of the world. So we developed Pacemaker, which was then before the app store, funny enough, believe it or not, for, for us old people um and and that that hardware product that we developed and built became a beautiful swedish design product that which we distributed in 20 markets but with the kind of trojan horse intent to connect to all the music tastemakers the world and extract their music intelligence and then when we were to extract that music intelligence then we were building a recommendation engine based on that intelligence so uh, a bit pretentious, but what we were building with what we call the taste exchange marketplace for music. So fairly totally, uh, advanced thinking a bit too early, I would summarize that. And, uh, uh, and when you add hardware to an equation in order to solve a business problem, then you add a whole new level of complexity and, and hurt, right? And I had never done hardware in my life before, and I experienced the hardware that it's way harder than you would ever expect.
0: Got it so then what happened next like how how did the pivot come about?
1: well obviously we I would say we failed with uh, expanding the pacemaker hardware to to uh, to the the global success. We rolled it out in twenty markets and we sold you know tens of thousands of this amazing product, but we realized that just the hardware business in itself was consuming us in the concept obviously, there was a lot of software there was a software to connect to uh, music libraries. There was a software to DJ and actually mix with the music. There was a software to upload and share the DJ mix and the metadata from the DJ mix. So uh, when we when we kind of were unsuccessful with the whole concept, the ecosystem, we sold off the hardware to our uh, Korean based manufacturer. And I personally acquired the online platform, which was the world's first kind of DJ-driven or tastemaker-driven music service called Let's Mix. So I pivoted and acquired the online asset, uh, and I started focusing on that part of the business, which obviously was a uh, you know, really, really good music service still, in my opinion. I kind of think about it at night. I should have kept going, Let's Mix. But it was basically an upload and share platform for DJ mixes with a very strong recommendation engine. And that kind of exploded that concept uh, and I started growing that small company um, and previously in the pacemaker concept the Jimmy and Dre at Beats by Dre had I've been in contact meeting them multiple times around them trying to acquire my pacemaker business which I wasn't able to broker with my current investors which is another interesting story when you're in the middle of Wired magazine with this uh, ecosystem product and everyone's talking about you and your investors think you're going to be the new apple but you you realize yourself you just it's just too complex and you need partners but i was not able to convince uh my current investors that bringing in the beats guys would be you know a game changer so so that kind of was a pivotal moment for the pacemaker hardware platform but now when i'm running the show and owning let's mix myself i was able to re-engage and the timing was perfect because Jimmy and Dre were thinking about building, building their empire around a music service, Beats Music, and kind of expanding their strategy around that. So um, that ended up with me building up Let's Mix quite quickly, but then selling Let's Mix to, to Beats and turning that, that concept and team into the Beats Music platform. Got it. So then so then obviously the
0: acquisition happens uh, and then you start, you know, like building this division, you know, on Beats. So then, you know, what happened? Because obviously, you know, incredible, you know, like Beats, especially the outcome that they got to to Apple for three billion. So uh, so tell us about this.
1: Uh, yes. How do I do that in a short, Swedish, boring way, working with um, these amazing people, but in this absolutely crazy reality? Um, I'll try to summarize by us actually against all odds being able to develop a on-demand consumer streaming service with maybe you know a twentieth of the team that Spotify had in size and an investment in maybe you know a fifth of the time and being able to do that under very crazy circumstances where um where Jimmy and Ray and the team are extreme entrepreneurs, and maybe structure and understanding of kind of the massive complexity of building a music service wasn't wasn't really anything they wanted to hear about. They just wanted to hear about when we were able to launch, and uh, so that was uh, an extreme learning. Uh, I loved the period working with with this team and and what they were able to do on building a you know a leading brand uh, for for mainstream America, uh, and. And the strategy of a music service being the epicenter of a of the leading music brand for for the next generation music lovers um, we pushed through and I spent almost three years building that, launching that in the u s and uh, then completely worn out uh, you know on a level where it was uh, a health issue, and at the same time as my family is in Stockholm and I was flying back and forth to l a and San Francisco every two weeks and some family issues on my parents' side just led to this very, very binary decision to decide that I'm out. Um, and I had a very interesting conversation with the guys and with with Jimmy and and so forth, and explained, and they understood. But they said that maybe it's not the best timing to do it, and but I did it, uh, and kind of deliver, le- left the con- the concept to kind of evolve, and and everything was working fine then. But obviously, I didn't know about what happened a couple of months later with, with the $3 billion acquisition of the Beats company. And, I, and I, when I left also, I sold my shares so and kind of left my position in the company. But it, it's not a question about them not being, they just, we couldn't discuss it. It was not clear and it was just un, under the development. And it, I, I don't think I would have made a different decision if I would have known anyway where I was in terms of my personal position.
0: And, and I guess, you know, out of this experience, uh, you know, I guess it's unbelievable, like how timing, you know, and luck, you know, always plays um, a key role. No? We're talking about a couple of months before that, that $3 billion deal happened of you, you know, like, you know, walking away and checking out, I guess, what lesson was there for you?
1: I think uh, in retrospect, um, as a person, uh, and once again, I, I think I'm not driven by my money. It's very clear, and it sounds, yes, again, cliche to say that, but I'm really not. I'm driven by building, building great concepts and, and scaling them. Scalability is my thing. Uh, and I think the learning in this exercise is that, um, wow, we could actually build a a music service, uh, and we started off maybe three years later in Spotify, uh, four, four years later in Spotify. Um, you could build something with with so much more efficient ways if you do it later in the in the cycle of, of an industry. So, like for example, uh, what I just said, we were able to build a global streaming service with a team under hundred people, and Spotify were already you know up at the three to five thousand people at that point. So that's one learning. If you look at previous companies, you can you can five x or ten x the efficiency rate. Of developing something if you're doing it second or third that's one very interesting kind of software insight and, and scalability building insight but the good news is obviously then uh, for me who knows the music industry people tend to underestimate the complexity of doing that even though if in theory it's easy to do it but it's all about execution and in music for the music industry you need to know what floor to get off on when you're visiting Sony Warner or UMG or Merlin in New York in order to get anywhere, in order to get the commodity to actually source through your software. So uh, it's never as easy as it looks. Uh, and if you build a team with a lot of experience from that industry, you can create that massive scalability and, and improved efficiency. But, uh, wow, you really need to think about how, you know, uh, what to solve for in order to reach that increased efficiency
0: of course so obviously for you after after the experience with with beats then you know you you go back to stockholm and you ended up you know founding another company soundtrack so yeah. so tell us about soundtrack your brand and you know how how you you know brought this this new concept <clears throat> this new baby to life
1: so um, when i was on the consumer side um building streaming services on that side, and then obviously I, as, as a fellow Swede, everyone knows each other in this small city, so Daniel and Martin, who are the founders of Spotify, and multiple people working at Spotify are close friends. Um, I had gotten the, the question at Beats multiple times from brands asking, how do we get streaming in our business? How can we relate to the what's going on in the music market? How can we use music to kind of uh, augment our brand experience? You know, how do we relate to this thing going on? And my response would be, I, I don't know, because I have to work 24 hours on building a consumer service and getting that out in the market. But that stuck on me. And then when kind of starting also to discuss that as a pure occasion together with Daniel and Martin, and it also was clear that they've got multiple questions from brands on kind of how do we how do we get Spotify in our business and how do we get beats in our business? Which I <clears throat> quickly realized, like, hey, okay, <laughs> if I've done three companies, I might as well do a fourth, uh, based on what I just told you about the complexity and underestimation of the complexity of building music services. Uh, but I'll do a very basic uh, and simple business idea that I can explain to my mother very easily, and it's I'm taking streaming to the B2B market. So I'm taking a macro or you know a market transition. Uh, from the consumer side and applying it to the B2B side. Um, and that was my business idea. And, and obviously that requires a whole set of software and user logic because um, brands and, and you know businesses have a completely different use case when it comes to music. And then uh, I realized that there were no streaming licenses for B2B in the world, but music was being played everywhere. So I also had to redo that again to... What I've now done is 9,000 direct licensing deals with publishers and labels around the world in order to enable kind of a first drop of the product. So I flew home, talked to uh, my friends uh, in Stockholm, took the money that I made from the beat deal and put it all in <clears throat> the establishing of Soundtrack and I actually invited Spotify as my co-owner and they came in as my co-founder of Soundtrack. So Soundtrack was a co-creation or co-founding together with Spotify that I obviously drove and and I innovated, but uh, I brought them along Uh, and uh, there we were, 2013 with uh, the embryo of an opportunity to bring streaming to the B2B market.
0: Very nice. So then in terms of the business model, how do you guys make money with
1: this? Very basic B2B sauce, uh, but with content. So We sell bi-monthly subscriptions per location. So if you run 10 restaurants in Madrid, then you'll have one centralized account and you'll have one or two subscriptions per restaurant, depending on if you have different music in the bar or in in the lounge or whatnot. And then it's all about back to my initial thesis of what music, at what brand, at what time, in what context in order to achieve what experience and what type of behavior. And that's a very intriguing, fun equation that I can work with hopefully until I retire uh so the 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 i p aspect and the AI aspect of that scaling you know brand sounds around the world is a very interesting um uh, product and intellectual challenge i mean music can define if you're gonna keep the guests in the bar and sell another you know ten drinks uh it can uh, we've actually statistically proven that it affects top line sales with around nine percent together with McDonald's in a global study. So the right music at the right place at the right time drives business. <clears throat> so that's, that defines a massive unlocking value potential, uh, which was the, the core idea. If I can monetize the unlocked value between music and, and brands, then I have you know, a golden nugget or even even possibly a diamond. So I'm selling subscriptions in 73 markets, rolling out nine ta- based on nine thousand direct licensing deals that no one else has on a on a very intelligent product uh, software stack uh, that is uh, sold online primarily with a scalable SMB soft model, uh, and I'm selling it with a higher margin uh, at 30 bucks per subscription a month.
0: Very nice. And how much capital have you guys raised to date for the business?
1: Up until date, roughly 50 million dollars. Um, so. That's what it. That's just the base kind of ticket to get a streaming service up and running. I would say. And which I know not, that which is uh, not trivial to to raise before you're monetizing, right? So, absolutely, that's another absolutely. that's another barrier.
0: And I know that during one of those fundraisers, you know, it was a little bit of turmoil that you know internal turmoil that it created. You know the the outcome. Uh, and I know that this has led to um to a few disagreements, you know, to say the least mm-hmm. internally. So would you mind, you know, sharing what happened?
1: I think it's an interesting, uh, a classical interesting founder story and uh, investor story. And I'm, I'm not pointing any fingers in any direction. I'm, I'm merely trying to just explain it, uh, the dynamics of uh, raising money from multiple investors and then ending up in, in a period which didn't work out. And then trying to work your way through that crisis, I would say. And um, it was all, you know, uh, wonderful to raise the initial kind of funding and me putting my money in, and and the the business idea anyone can understand. And obviously the team I built was amazing, and we were on a roll. But uh, we started rolling out our first kind of commercialization under the Spotify business brand in in uh, early you know 2016, uh, just testing it a little bit in Sweden. Then we rolled out. Um, our first real kind of when we started rolling out our own markets on our own soundtrack product was 2018. And at the end of 2018, we were planning to raise a significant growth round, you know, give and take $40 million. And the short story is we were unsuccessful. We failed. We crashed into a wall at, at the end of 2018. And uh, the reason for that is that we were just dealing with too much complexity, rolling out all of these licensing deals worldwide at the same time as we were doing product. So our strategy wasn't educated enough. We were going too broadly into the market. We were doing enterprise and SMB at the same time and building up a massive cost base of field sales. Um, so we were, we were running four sales channels at the same time towards a global market with all the other complexities that comes with rolling out a, a uh, software, pro- uh, software company. Uh, so the short series, we were, we had the wrong strategy, we had the wrong focus, we had bad dynamics in, in the ownership and in the boardroom, and those dynamics hit kind of a, a peak when we unsuccess- when we weren't a- able to close the round. We were extremely close. We were just kind of one partner away with a couple of investors to actually close that round, and that, that probably would have been the worst thing that happened to the company. But two thousand eighteen. We crashed. I was able to uh, establish a, a, a rescue package with the current investors at ten million dollars to kind of turn the business around. But obviously, I was questioned and scrutinized. And but uh, during the first half of two thousand nineteen, as we were rolling out our product into the global markets, I, I was I was forced to cut forty percent uh, of the cost base uh, in our company, whilst keeping the growth running. And then. Kind of coming out of that uh, at first half of 2019, where I felt that I was, I had successfully turned the business around. Um, there was basically uh, an internal battle around the strategy, and if I'm the right person to run it, and if there was someone, someone else, and some op- opportunists, Obviously, when you have that situation, maybe. We're rolling out the unique platform in the world and then some people might think that's a very valuable asset that they might put their hands on, right, That in that opportunity. So uh, I was very close to losing the company that I founded and and put all my money into uh, through uh, an extremely intense governance exercise and um, strategic card game through the whole second half of the year, which I just was able to close the end of and, and kind of reset my board. Uh, put myself as a chairman and CEO uh, just last month, and uh, re- refinance the company myself uh, and put it, get it back on track. And at the, the day after, or actually during the day that I closed it, then I got to know that we had a global pandemic as well, running with, with COVID, which obviously affected the company. So uh, it's not easy to build <laughs> to build companies in the music space for sure. Well, it's not easy to build any kind of
0: company, yeah. Ola, but uh, uh, but it's amazing. So I guess. So I guess from this experience, you know, especially for the folks that are listening, what kind of advice would you have for them as they're looking at, you know, like maybe bringing on people into the business that, you know, mm-hmm. is going to affect, you know, the corporate structure or the corporate governance? And and what are some of the things that they should be looking at?
1: I think from my personal experience, there is, I mean, <clears throat> I'm not a control freak, uh, but I probably should be much more aware of uh my position from a governance perspective and i've learned that to really look at where the power is of decision making <clears throat> um, kind of um i'm totally fine with a founder myself in this case uh kind of being asked to step aside to to bring in a more competent ceo or you know but but in this instance it was actually an attempt to take over a significant part of the company for by resetting the company and basically just uh, you know, absorbing the company into a new group, um, and that group was driven with a couple of people that were um, successfully introduced into kind of the work that I, that we were doing, and it was driven by individuals, not institutions. And uh, and you need to be more paranoid than I was. I was now a bit naive, Swede, uh, and uh, I I just felt that I had come out working with these these wonderfully crazy people in, in the U.S. and thought I could deal with anything. But, you know, business people uh, are probably, you know, uh, more ninjas going for the kill than, than kind of these crazy music people. So it was, it was an attempt to take over my, my baby, and, and it was because I wasn't paying attention properly. So you need to really think about your position and, and how to protect that position. Absolutely.
0: So, I guess say uh, for the folks that are listening, what is the size of uh, your business right now? How how big how big is the company? How big is Soundtrack?
1: Well, we're a pretty small B two B SaaS company now. We're seventy five employees. We were, you know, just about one hundred and ten when we when we ran into the wall uh, at the end of two thousand eighteen, and we re-engineered towards a focus B two B S and B SaaS business. Uh, we are just at a million dollars on MRR uh, monthly basis. Uh, and we're just hitting the growth right now because we rolled out uh, all of our markets and we just released kind of the product that we w- were about. We released like what I'm really happy about product-wise now, the last couple of months. And there's a big release coming um, after the summer that's pretty much going to give me a first complete product offering. And that will, that's, will be a unique B2B. Uh, music service that, that is very hard to to replicate and very high defensibility with, you know, a little business running. And my focus now is value and profitability and trying to build a diamond in the music industry and not getting carried away by uh, building out opex space. Just keeping it slim and, and neat and focused and, you know, uh, looking at the B2B metrics every day and scaling from there and being very humble and sober about the business.
0: Very nice. And obviously, I know that you see that there is significant growth, you know, uh, ahead, especially given, you know, the, how, how the music market is undervalued. But I'd like to ask you a question here on, basically a question that I typically ask the guests that come on the show, and that is, I mean, incredible journey, right? On your fourth startup, you know, you've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly of building and scaling a business. I guess if you had the opportunity to go back in time, and have a chat with your younger self, with that younger Ola that is maybe thinking about launching the first business. What would be that one piece of business advice that you would give to your younger self, and why, knowing what you know now?
1: I think it would be back to where I am right now. It's uh, find a very focused core business. I mean, think about it as you know, running a store or selling lemonade on the street. You buy a commodity, you mark it up, and you sell it at a a margin uh, in some type of context, software. It's that basic. And if you don't have the answers to where am I going to source the lemonade, at what cost, what is the willingness to pay for my lemonade, what will that lead to in terms of margin, and what's the volume and the setup that I have. These basic, basic business principles. and then obviously I didn't know how complex, I knew it was going to be hard and, you know, a bumpy ride going into the music industry. I wasn't that naive. But I, as I said previously, I think if I would have stayed focused on Let's Mix, it wouldn't have been as interesting and fun and learning, the learning curve of selling to Apple and everything and co-founding with Spotify and everything I've done. But I honestly think that if I would have stayed laser focused on the Let's Mix idea, that would have turned into a massive business. So Very the learning nice. is uh, find the basic business idea. And when you have it, don't get carried away. Focus on the economics of that. And you can pretty easily, if you're you know, somewhat intelligent, figure out if there is economics in what you're doing or not.
0: Very profound, Ola. And for the folks that are listening, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi?
1: Uh, well, you can email me on, on um, uh, ola com or uh, ping me on Twitter or, or LinkedIn or whatever. I'm, I'm very try to answer everything and you know kind of connect with people in all types of industries. So uh, as, as long as I have time and and uh, and I'll I'll try to respond and happy to talk to anyone about any type of topics. Amazing. Well,
0: Olá, thank you so much for being on the Deal Maker Show today.
1: Thank you for having me. It was a it was a pure pleasure and, and uh, really love the stuff that you're doing. So um, I'm honored to be on the show, Alejandro.